Welcome back to middle school It's a zoo out there So just be cool Don't speak too loud Try to fit in But if you don't Then you can be in Welcome to the Outfit Repeaters. I'm Marissa Cantor, and with me, as always, is Sam Chung. Hello. Uh, yes, we are back. I realize that it's been a minute, but here we are. <laughs> Hello. Remember us? Yeah. <laughs> what a reason to be here. <laughs> are, you, are you talking about Cheaper by the Dozen? I am, which is emphatically not Cheaper by the Dozen. Yeah, so I feel like, so this is obviously like uh, the third time we've watched this movie. Not this movie, but like basically this movie. But it's not because this isn't cheaper by the dozens. This is the hill I will die on. This movie is not a remake of Cheaper by the Dozen. This movie is a remake of Yours, Mine, and Ours. Okay. Full stop. Period. Yes, so we're just diving right in. I guess, (laughs) yes, so we've been teasing that we were going to watch this movie for three weeks and you've been just... You've been holding all of your thoughts in for three weeks and now they're just like pouring out of you. Just like (laughs) not even like no teasing it. We're just diving right in and we're going to talk about Cheaper by the Dozen. Yeah, I mean, it seems like the the sensible way to go after. So I guess like what, what happened was I will take a step back. We finished talking about How I Met Your Father and we were like, woof, that was a lot. And so it took a couple of weeks. Um, we got our heads clear, blah, 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 all clear. If you were missing us, you know, we do have another podcast where we talk about the crown. Um, so me. that was not you, but I like, you know, we were around. But this podcast was like, oof, let's reset and let's take a couple of weeks and then fall back on some familiar territory in Cheaper by the Dozen. You know, I feel like it. It was like what I expected. I don't know. It like having seen two of these movies before, which you have said this one is obviously a little bit different in terms of the premise, but you know, essentially very similar concept, and it it delivered basically the same. Uh, I think that the other two movies did, and you know, it was like fine. Yeah, I I just out of curiosity, have been perusing some reviews and the Google rating is 2.5 and you know, that feels right. Well, that is higher than How I Met Your Father. (laughs) (laughs) I did see while you were doing that, there's a lot of like one star reviews. Why are people, like it feels like there's a lot of one star reviews really dragging it down and I'm curious like why why are people giving it one star reviews? I didn't feel like there were any BTS jokes in this in this movie. Uh the first few that I have seen mm, yeah, it's kind of trolling, kind of racist trolls. That's what I worried. Yeah. yeah, that's what I worried about because obviously this movie tries to do a lot. 
Um, I guess, yeah, the difference in this movie versus the other two movies that we watched previously is that we have uh, a biracial family here and they really try to talk about, you know, some uh, heavy themes of racism and about, you know, what it means to grow up black in America. Yeah, I was worried that these one star reviews would be people not handling that. And uh, it seems like that's what we're getting. Yeah, like this film spends more time worrying about brand deals and being politically correct that it neglects the storyline. Well, I I mean, <laughs> there's too many characters to have a cohesive storyline, I think, overall. And I think that's what we saw in the original Cheaper by the Dozen. And then that's also what we saw in Cheaper by the Dozen 2, which I have been on the record as saying uh, should have been called Cheaper by the Baker's Dozen <laughs> if... So for some reason, this family is also the Bakers in this movie. So the possibility of a cheaper by the Bakers dozen is still on the table. And you know what? That's my gift to you if you choose to make the sequel and call it cheaper by the Bakers dozen. You're welcome. I don't know. I'm still perusing these reviews, so I didn't really just hear what you just said. Yeah, it's it seems like it skews like the racist trolls make up a good chunk of it. But then there's also black people being upset with how race was handled as well which like we don't have any right to really speak to but there were elements of it that I agree were just like so heavy-handed I will say um and I I feel like I've said this on the podcast before but like whenever I'm rating something I rarely give anything one star or 10 stars <laughs> like to be that extreme yeah. with your, to be that extreme with like your judgments is just like a level of anger or love that I just, I guess I never feel. I, <laughs> I guess I'm just like, I don't know. I, I guess I just don't feel emotions enough. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to stop scrolling at these because they're making me upset. They're pretty gross. Okay. A lot of them. Um, If we look at some of the more like critical reviews, it's a mixed bag. I would say just looking at the poll quotes on Rotten Tomatoes. Rotten Tomatoes has it at a 35%, but there's only 37 reviews. That's not a that's still not good. That's still not that's good. That's pretty rotten. Wait, Kenya Barris wrote this movie? I don't know that I realized that going into this. My impression of the movie, first and foremost, I've already said it. That's everything I need to say. It's not cheaper by the dozen. Okay, but like we need to move on from that. Take. <laughs> I'm just upset. Like, why? Like, I feel like, like, what was the purpose of using this this franchise or this like IP? What was the reason? Like, you could have just made a movie about like a blended biracial family without it being a cheaper by the dozen. I feel like cheaper by the dozen is bigger IP than yours, mine, and ours. Like, it has bigger name recognition. Well, that's tr definitely true. But I'm just saying, like, why why are we relying on this IP at all? Like, why is this what Hollywood is doing? Like, why does everything just need to be a remake of something? This isn't like... I mean, everything is a remake of something. This is the world in which we live. You just have to accept it. Am I not unique? <laughs> <laughs> I just I just don't think that this needed to be cheaper by the dozen. We really started off on the wrong foot here with that. <laughs> okay, but you have to get past that because it is cheaper by the dozen. This is what it is in 2022. I will say Gabrielle Union. She is great. I love her. I've always loved her. She 
was a moment, always has been. One of my favorite scenes in my favorite movie, 10 Things I Hate About You, is her line where she says, I know you can be overwhelmed and you can be underwhelmed, but can you ever just be whelmed? And then Bianca goes, I think you can in Europe. Well, th- that's not this movie, though. Why are you bringing a different movie into this? Just, just, I'm just giving Gabrielle Union her, her respect. Okay. And then Zach Braff is Zach Braff. He's fine. He's your basic white man, I would say. Yeah, Zach Braff, to me, uh, it feels like he and he and Dax Shepard could be like brothers in a movie. Yes. They look, they, they have a similar look. You're absolutely right. Yeah. He was also just recently in the HBO Max movie Moonshot, which I really enjoyed. You didn't watch it. No. It was one of those things where I was like, Sam, want to watch this movie? And you were like, sure. But you were lying. So I just watched it by myself. That's fair. Yeah. And in that movie, he plays like a Elon Musk billionaire who just kind of is the reason that people can live on Mars now. But here he's just quirky dad. He's just Paul Baker, maker of the most chaotic sauce to ever sauce. Uh, there were too many <laughs> sauce euphemisms <laughs> in <laughs> for a children's movie. Um, like, I, I don't need to hear anyone talking about their special sauce <laughs> about all the flavors of their sauce, about how much other people enjoy their sauce. I've already said sauce way more than I ever wanted to. The premise of this sauce is that it changes its flavor depending on what you put it on. So it can be like sweet, savory, or hot sauce. Like if you put it on a waffle, it just magically registers that it's a waffle and it will be sweet. But if you put it on a chimichanga, then oh my God, it's savory now. What? I mean, hey, if that it's like some Willy Wonka <laughs> magic here. <laughs> Someone give this sauce to Timothy Chalamet. Get him all warmed up. <laughs> but it's important that sauce. He has a dream. Yeah, he's got a nice saucy dream. <laughs> Anyways, I mean, should we just like jump into the movie and just like give our thoughts through like just yes let's ro- let's roll yeah let's do this i feel like we can get through this pretty quickly because like i said we've seen this movie twice before let's jump in cheaper by the dozen we have our opening credits to queen bay love on top great song as we have established they are still the baker family in this movie their names are zoe and paul we get sort of like the rundown on each of the children um, who are just characterized solely by their dream and not really much else. I think that overall, the children felt less fleshed out or there were like less like key children. Which is shocking because there were were less less children children overall. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, I would say none of the little kids were fleshed out at all. Neither were any of the, like, Paul's kids were not really fleshed out either. Yeah, none of Paul's kids were, I mean, yeah, the kids who were the most fleshed out were Zoe's, like, Gabrielle Union's kids. So she had, so basically she had, now I'm getting, now I'm confusing myself. So Paul had two kids with his first wife, Kate, played by Erica Christensen. and My then- favorite character. <laughs> Kate is your favorite. Okay, wow. Hot t- I did not know that. That's a hot take. <laughs> they also adopted Haresh, 
Yeah, so then they also got a third kid, uh, their godson, uh, Haresh, because his parents, like, died in a car crash. Yeah, due to parental death. (laughs) So now uh, Haresh is a kid of theirs, too. And then separately, uh, Gabrielle Union has uh, two kids with her first husband, Dom, who uh, is, like, a pro football player. And he's played by Timon Kyle Durrett. And so that makes five. And then there's two sets of twins. Yeah. So then two sets of twins uh, that belong to Paul and Zoe. So that makes nine. And then the 10th isn't even their kid. (laughs) It's like (laughs) it's like a cousin who is a troublesome person who ends up being the pivotal character in the movie. (laughs) At first, too, it was like. There wasn't even, it was like nine kids. And the 10th was Erica Christensen. <laughs> Cause she just like lived with them. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So I guess they do originally present the dozen as the 11 of them plus Erica Christensen. <laughs> but the dozen is clearly the 11 of them plus Seth. Like yeah. Erica Christensen is not on the hot sauce bottle. I don't think. I think it's Seth who's on the hot sauce bottle. Yes. Or not hot sauce. That's how you the know. Baker sauce bottle. That's how you know who the dozen is, because if you make it onto the sauce bottle, you're in the dozen. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Kate. Nobody likes you, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> so that is the family setup. And like I said, they're all kind of set up and defined by essentially what they want to be when they grow up. And I will also say the kids overall are younger than they were in the original movies. Like in the original movies, I feel like you had, I don't even remember what the oldest kid's name was. And then like Hilary Duff and they're clearly like, you know, on their way out of high school. Um, Here I feel like the oldest kid is- Same Charlie. Well, no, I guess the oldest kid is also a senior. I don't know. I guess they just look younger than the kids in the original movie. Yeah, I mean, maybe like kids were actually cast as kids. Not that she, I mean, like, she's probably, like, in her early 20s, I would guess. Yeah, so the oldest kid, Journey Brown, uh, yeah, she's 23. But, like, Hilary Duff was still a, yeah, Hilary Duff was still a teenager. Anyways, but, yeah, she, like, it was weird because, like, she was, her and Ella, like, Paul's oldest daughter, were the only two in high school. And then everyone else was in middle school. Uh, yes. And some of them looked way too old to be in middle school. (laughs) I agree. Oh, let's not forget their two dogs. No plot for the dogs. Like that is a defining feature of the Cheaper by the Dozens is dog drama. Oh yeah, that's very true. Um, But Barack Obama and Joe Biden got got no love. No, they had no stunts to do at all in this movie. And, like, part of me is, like, should we go through all of the dreams? But really the only one that matters to the plot is um, Deja's. Well, no, I think so. No, DJ's DJ's plot. So DJ and Deja are. They're the uh, kids who get plot. They are the kids who get plot, and they are Zoe and Dom's kids. So DJ really likes comic books, and he does not relate to his dad because his, being Dom, because his dad was always off doing football things. Um, and Deja wants to be a basketball player, but is unable to tap into Gabrielle Union's basketball knowledge because that's not who she plays in this movie. 
Yeah, and she is vying for a basketball scholarship to USC. Uh, yeah, Haresh wants to be a player. Yeah, I don't know how that. <laughs> I don't know how that played out in the movie at all. Ella wants to be so. Ella and Harley are Paul and Kate's kids. So Ella wants to be an influencer. Sure. Uh, Harley wants her punk band to go viral, and then. Oh, Kate got a backstory? I didn't even remember this. Kate wants to expand her yoga studio. I didn't even know she did yoga. I don't know if we saw that at all. And then we just kind of meet the little kids. They don't have dreams yet. Their dreams, I believe, the line was are just to get bigger. <laughs> like, what? I mean, that's not a dream. That's just the future. <laughs> yeah, so after that, we get the flashback to Paul and Zoe's um prior relationships and how they fell apart and what led them to each other. Yeah. A ton of exposition. (laughs) So much exposition. It basically leads them to opening up a restaurant together. Yeah. And the restaurant uh, serves breakfast all day. All day breakfast. Baker's breakfast. So like Denny's. (laughs) Or IHOP. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 24 hour breakfast. No, but they're trying to be more elevated than that like they're trying to do like <laughs> yeah, they're, they're trying, trying to, be, to elevate yeah <laughs> here's your elevated food. breakfast served to you by child labor <laughs> here you go <laughs> and they're kind of in the strug right oh, now shocker yeah they they only have nine kids and one random adult to feed and it's set in la which we'll get into <laughs> that we actually could ha- have some things to say about that now yes this is true so they're in Echo Park okay. when the movie starts. Yeah. In a house, like a multi-million dollar house because to buy, a, or at least a million dollar house, if you have a house in Echo Park. Sure, but that doesn't mean it was a million dollars when they bought it. True. This open, so after all of the exposition situation ends, we get a scene that's very reminiscent of the first movie the like chaotic breakfast getting everybody ready for school this family they're not as chaotic as the og bakers they've really they really like toned down the like slapstick like physical humor elements in this movie yeah and there's no like uh sneaky suspicious one like allison stoner no. No one's a troublemaker. They're all kind of bland. Yeah. As far as the little kids go. Well, there's one. There's one? There's one great. The one, uh, one the, the girl, the girl twin. Oh, uh, well, is her name Bronx? I don't remember the twins' names. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but she's not, she's not like a troublemaker. She just has some funny lines. Yeah, she's just like a great little actress with some hilarious one-liners. Yeah, there's like a little bit of like inter-family drama with the kids, but it's saved for like literally like 10 minutes before the end of the movie. Yeah, they all are like shockingly well-adjusted and like like each other. And there's no, like we didn't see, like considering the blended family element of this movie, like we didn't see any, nobody felt any kind of way about that. Like, everything was almost, like, too cool to the point that, like, the way that Kate is just kind of in their life as, like, this, like, mom slash babysitter for the little ones. Mm -hmm. But, like, she's 
Paul's ex-wife. Like, it was all very strange. Yes. How ingratiated she was. Yeah, and why she feels the need to do this. Yeah, why does she not have her own life? (laughs) Yeah, why is she just babysitting four kids who she has no relation to at all? It's very confusing. Your note, can you do this? Oh, this is the part where, like, the little kids play... This is the part where they try to be chaotic, but it's less satisfying with like the, what were they doing? They were doing drag drag, race. They were drag racing inside the house. Inside the house. Yes. So yeah, it's basically, it starts off in the summer. So uh, the older kids can go with the parents to work at the restaurant. And meanwhile, that's why Kate is home babysitting the younger kids. No one has to go to school. Then the parents return. We learn that Paul is uh good at tiktok dances um and then dom arrives and he gives everybody personalized beats and he gets dj some expensive shoes and he announces that he is retiring and he's moving back to la and this makes paul insecure there's a lot of like weird like dad tension between the two of them Mm -hmm. like i'm the dad no i'm the dad but Paul, like, Paul has clearly bonded with Zoe's kids. Like, he has, like, a great relationship with both of them. Mm-hmm. Like, after that, Deja's outside shooting hoops at night, and he goes out, and, like, they have a little little chat and a little free throws. I almost said three throws. <laughs> that, that, nope, that's wrong. <laughs> and then it cuts to basketball. Which is why, okay, why is this happening if it's summer? I'm confused by, like, the timeline. Uh, Yeah, no, the timeline makes no sense. That's true. Like, this is not basketball season. I mean, it could be, like, AAU. But but I thought the whole thing was, like, it was her school team because she was so upset to leave her school. Uh, yep. (laughs) So that doesn't make sense. Oh, maybe it was a weekend, actually. Maybe it wasn't summer. Maybe it was, it's unclear. (laughs) Conjecture. Could it have been a weekend? Maybe. Yeah, it probably was like a Saturday. You probably just made up that it was Maybe summer. Maybe I just assumed that it was summer. I don't know. But anyways, it's yeah. we're at Deja's basketball game. There's a USC scout there. Paul and Dom are both there cheering her on and kind of just like peacocking, if you will. Like who can be like the most expressive dad, which evolves into like a, a dance-off situation. Yeah, but this is where Paul's TikTok dance skills come into play. And then after the game, they all want to go for dinner, but actually Dom's going to take Deja and her friends to some like fancy dinner at the Soho house. The Soho house is fancy. Out of our budget. I mean, you could go there once. It would be a very treat yourself experience. Treat yourself. Yeah. Paul has an announcement. Someone wants his sauce. I mean. This movie just became Shark Tank. <laughs> it, it did. Yeah. And so- Of course, this means Paul has to go to an investor meeting. So he goes to this place and he's going to meet Mel and Michelle. (laughs) (laughs) A very weird experience because we're coming off watching a season of Australian Survivor where there were a pair of twins named Mel and Michelle. Um, But this pair of twins, well, I guess they're not twins. They could be twins. They're like two blonde ladies who are basically indistinguishable from each other. Um, But basically, Paul goes in. He's wearing a nice suit. He's ready to go give his pitch. And he looks around and he sees that the, the, the agency is filled with young people who are cool, who are hip, who are playing ping pong, who are 
dressed very casually. And Paul is like, is this the vibe? And he goes back to his van and he puts on a random assortment of things, a bat mitzvah sweater, a fanny pack, a baseball cap, DJ's sneakers that are too big for him. And he goes in and he is grossly miscalculated the situation because the leadership who he's presenting to are not the young people who are outside. Should have stuck with the suit. Should have stuck with the suit. Yeah, I mean, it's always a good idea when you are presenting to uh, present yourself in a in a professional manner, uh, not with a bright pink fanny pack and a bat mitzvah sweatshirt. And he starts his presentation and he's trying to be all like kind of on script, but then he goes off script very quickly and just tries to make it a personal moment. Yeah, but it works though, which is so stupid. (laughs) Yeah, why did this work? It should not have worked. But, you know, Mel and Michelle, they're going to give him a chance. They're going to give him $5 million. I I don't know. I just made that up. I don't know. They cut him a fat check, though, if his first thought was, I'm going to buy a house in Calabasas. Oh, yeah. They give, like, how much? I mean, yeah, he's going to buy a house in Calabasas. He's going to put all his kids in private school. He's going to buy Gabrielle Union an enormous diamond ring. He's going to. They buy Deja a car. They buy Deja. Oh, yeah. They buy Deja a car. They take in an extra kid. Yeah, like, what was this investment and why don't we know? I mean, it it must have been a lot of money. And the money is supposed to also be used to, like, actually make the product and... Like, start the business. Start the business. Well, the business is also confusing because it's, like, getting the sauce in in the grocery stores, but also starting to franchise the restaurant. It's, like, two different businesses that they're starting. They're starting a lot at once. Yeah, as um as as Mark Cuban would say, what is this? You're doing too many things. Yeah, pick a lane. Pick a lane. <laughs> yeah, yeah pick a lane. That, that, that's it. No, but it really like all of this, all of these years of watching Shark Tank together just had me asking. It took me, I, it took me out of it because I'm like, who's distributing this? Like, why is he never like actually? Oh, you wanted like, to you wanted to get into the numbers. <laughs> well, yeah. The other thing that was weird Nobody's was that it's never worked. Like he's always just they're like, oh, he's working so much. And that means like going off to like look at places for the f- like the franchise part. But who's making the sauce? <laughs> <laughs> Who is making? I mean, the sauce makes itself, obviously. No, what was weird to me was that he's describing this deal afterwards. And it sounds like he sold everything. Like, what does he even own anymore? Oh, yeah. They have the rights to his name. They have the rights to his likeness. (laughs) They have the rights to his sauce. Like, why is Paul even involved at all? (laughs) Like, they own everything now. But they're the faces. He's the face. Also, isn't the purpose of a franchise, and maybe I'm wrong, but isn't it so like other people can run the franchise? Like you're not going to operate all your franchises. You sell the franchise so that other people can operate the franchise on your behalf. Correct. Why is he doing all this work to open a second rest? Like that's just a second restaurant. That's not a franchise. Correct. Okay. Again, if the core piece of the business is the sauce. <laughs> And it's doing so well. Like we keep getting little updates, little nuggets throughout the movie. 
but how much the sauce is selling. I also don't understand what the sauce has to do with breakfast. Like, he's like, you could put it on chimichangas. Who's eating chimichangas for breakfast? <laughs> um, Says you. And then they're like, we need you to make soup. Oh, I'm skipping ahead. They're like, we need you to make soup. What are you going to do with the sauce? You're going to put sauce in a soup? What? That doesn't make any sense. None of this makes any sense. And they're like, the people love soup. And I'm like, soup sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I hate soup. Again, says you. I did. Yeah, I say that. Yeah, soup is the worst. It's just, I'm so mad. I know it's not that deep, but also it makes no sense. But much like in... OG, cheaper by the dozen. Guess what, folks? We're moving. And I don't care what you have to say about it. Don't care that it's whack. Moving is whack. Everything is whack. And even Zoe's like, I don't know. Is this the best idea? Don't we need to use the money to launch the sauce? Yes. I mean, this line of thinking actually ends up going nowhere because they have enough money to do everything they want to do. It's never an issue of like, oh, we ran out of money. Yeah, like financially, there's no, but that's not the plot. There's that's no not the conflict. plot. She has this worry, but it's not that like running out of money and it being too risky is never an issue. So it should have been an issue. That would have been a better story. It could have been an issue. Like, like oh, Paul gets all this money and immediately runs it. the family into the ground. <laughs> That would have been a better movie. But that's not the plot here. They get literally everything what they want. What is the plot here? With no, <laughs> with like, and it's as easy as, as possible. There is no ramification for Paul buying literally everything his heart desires. What is the plot of this movie, Sam? What is the plot of this movie? <laughs> I mean, we're talking about it, are we not? So there's a family. They... No, but like, what is like, what is the A story? Because somehow it weirdly becomes about the cousin. Yeah, there's a weird, like, last 10 minute, like, POV. Sh it's not even a, it's, it's kind of a POV shift, but, like, a plot shift. I don't even know how to describe it. I guess, well, I guess the plot is, like, the story of Paul learning how to share parental duties with Dom? Right, like. <laughs> and Paul teaching Dom how to be a better parent. And, and Zoe just like dealing with racist white ladies. <laughs> I think that's a B plot. I don't know. Yeah. Because obviously we've set up here at the beginning that Dom and Paul have this rivalry. Oh my and God. And it does kind of like come back at the end. But there's just so much other stuff going on that that specific plot is not fully developed. It's only at the beginning and at the end. And then things happen in the middle. <laughs> With sauce. With sauce. And bullying and theft and racism. <laughs> that was also random. And tennis. The theft thing was so weird. Okay, we're getting okay. off we're getting off topic. Okay. Yeah. We need to talk about all right, so they moved to Calabasas, huge house, gated community, community pool, white people. Microaggressions. Yeah. From the jump. Um Paul sees his sauce in the store and it looks like a like a five-year-old drew the design. It's not a good design. <laughs> no. Anyways, they get there and immediately like a Segway cop, kind of like, I guess not a cop, but like, I don't even know what his role is. Like the neighborhood like patrol. The security yeah, guard? rolls up and he's like, we have a strict no noise policy after 10. And he tells this to Zoe. And so Zoe is immediately like racists. Yeah, I mean, there is definitely, like, a cringe to that, especially when, you know, her white husband comes over 
and the security guard just kind of is like apologizes and wheels away. Yeah. It's a it's a weird it's an icky vibe. It's icky from the jump. It was weird to me. Okay, yeah, because after this moment, they like they immediately go to the pool, right? They're like bakers, let's go to the pool. And like the icky thing to me, like as a white person, was all the ways in which this movie, it was like it was trying to explain racism to white people. Like, to Paul specifically. Mm-hmm. Like, it was all these instances of, like, Zoe and Dom being, like, these are things I experience that you cannot experience. And Paul's like, oh, no, but, like, I, I've I've experienced, like, not fitting in. Like, <laughs> I've experienced, like, and it's like, bro, yeah. you are a white, cis, able-bodied man. With you a have, special sauce. You have all of the privileges. You are at the, the top of privileges. the privilege. Like maybe, maybe take a step back. It felt very heavy handed and meant to be sort of like an educational moment. And like, I really wish that we saw more of like the white members of the family, like acknowledging and like even confronting their privilege in like complex or nuanced ways. Maybe that's too much to ask for. That was just something that I thought of. You want to take this story that had at least like 10 plots going on and add an 11th plot (laughs) of the white people uh, confronting their privilege. Or just acknowledging it. It doesn't need to be a whole plot because for example, like with Paul's daughters, there was, they had like nothing to do in this movie. I don't know. I I don't know what I wanted it to be. I just didn't like feel like it needed to be handled the way that it was. Mm-hmm. That 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 was kind of how I felt. I don't know. Now I'm thinking about it more. What do you think? I get what they were trying to do. I just think that it's like time and time again we see like it's it's just cringy using the characters of color as like a tool. Like the burden is on them to educate the white people or like like the, the burden is on like the black wife to like educate her white husband. So you wanted to see Paul go off on the neighbor lady. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, yeah. That's all you wanted to see was just like. I just think that Paul doesn't understand that like, oh, I'm married to like a black woman and like that has certain like. I think Paul's whole vibe is like, I don't see color. Like he doesn't really until like he's confronted by Dom at the end of the movie. But like his whole vibe for the first like three quarters of this movie is like a very like we're beyond racism. I don't see color situation. Yeah. I mean, well, when you think when you look at like the things that happen, like Paul is never around to experience them. It's really like the only opportunity he has to experience it is this scene with the uh, like security guy. And then he's pretty much in San Francisco for most of the movie. And while most of the other things happen. So, uh, yeah, he's just not around to experience it and like have that opportunity to step in. Gives him a convenient out. Well, yeah, I mean, (laughs) gives the writing a convenient out to not, it does address it. Yeah. Yeah. Because this is where, again, like Zoe is interacting with the, racist white ladies or like i mean one of them is like very like overtly bad the the most racist one is ann ann 
Trisha is a little cringy at first, but they seem to become friends. Yeah. And then this is where we get our plot bomb drop. This is where we get our 10th child announcement. (laughs) Paul's sister is in rehab again, and that's the only explanation we get on the matter. There is no, like, no backstory here. Yeah, where is Paul's brother-in-law? Unclear. And they need to take in her son. Is his name Seth? Yeah, Sticky Fingers Seth. Ew. That's, it means he steals things. Oh, really? Yeah, I learned, yeah, it was part of a script, uh, and that's how I learned what Sticky Fingers means. Yeah, if you, if you have Sticky Fingers, it means you steal things. You're a bit of a kleptomaniac. Oh, so that's why all the kids immediately assume it's him later. Yes, okay. everybody already knows that Seth is a thief. <laughs> Before he even shows up, the one thing we know about Seth is that he he steals things. Yeah, he's like meant to be what, like 13 tops? Uh, middle school for sure, yeah. Um, and that's why it's sus when we see him like sticking money into a box. We're like, where do you get that money? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, Seth got sketchy money sticky fingers seth sticky from all that sauce (laughs) (laughs) yeah so then he arrives it's awkward he's rooming with haresh no one really wants him there cut to the first day at their new schools um they get the time the start time all mixed up high school starts later but middle school starts earlier so they have to mad dash get ready in the morning and you know what again it's all fine in the end they make it it's i mean it's fine they make it and then there's some racists at school yeah no school's a bad time yeah uh haresh immediately gets bullied and seth does nothing to help at least at this point at this point yeah at high school deja meets a boy yeah chris who looks like he's like 30 (laughs) he's Who recognizes her? She's just such a star high school basketball player. Yeah, her her reputation precedes her. When they get home, there is a donut cake. Why is there a donut cake? I guess just to celebrate the first day, but no one's really honest about how the first day went. Yeah, and this is where Harash sees Seth put some money in the box. What what is Seth doing with this money? Uh, stashing it. Then we get Mel and Michelle pop in <laughs> to the restaurant. Um, it's time to expand. Okay, but ex- uh, it makes no <laughs> sense. All right, so yeah, the sauce has, the rationale here is the sauce has been flying off the shelves. So their line of thinking is not let's make another sauce that we can sell. It's let's open a restaurant <laughs> where we will not use the sauce at all. Correct. Which makes no sense. Like, if the sauce is what's selling, then expansion should mean making a new product that you can also sell. Correct. Makes no sense. Like, the restaurant and the sauce are independent. Like, their success is independent of each other. Um, But, yeah, they want to expand. And, no, not just in L.A. They want to go to San Francisco. Um, Makes no sense. Why wouldn't you just, like, oh, your Echo Park location is doing great. Let's open one up in like on the west side. Let's go to like Santa Monica. Nope. San Francisco. <laughs> and Zoe's a little like, eh, 
I don't know. She's having some PTSD from marriage number one because this means that Paul will be traveling more. Deja is comes down and we have our classic misogynistic daddy's daughter moment where their teen daughter comes down and her skirt's a little shorter and her makeup is on a little thicker and oh my god not my daughter Ugh, why does that always have to happen in these movies i don't know but then this one takes it a step further where there's like that awkward moment when dj is like who's like makes like a butt comment about his sister's butt did you catch that? <laughs> I did catch that. It's very, like, it's very strange. It's like, who does he think is in his house at like 7 a.m.? Yeah, they're like, that's your sister. But yeah, Chris is there to pick her up. And I can confirm uh, the actor who plays Chris is 29. <laughs> that uh, was so obvious. Yeah. Oh, and then we learn, uh, so DJ likes a girl. And this is where we learn that Paul also has a good relationship with DJ. And so DJ asks Paul basically to give him the talk, uh, which Paul does not do. Paul basically just tells uh, DJ that what he needs to do is find something that he and the girl he likes, Talia, uh, he needs to find something that they have in common and use that as his in. Yeah. DJ is like, Paul and I get each other. We're both nerds. (laughs) We're both average guys. Average Joes. We're not Joe millionaires. We're average Joes. (laughs) And at the restaurant, Seth starts helping out. Harley is suspicious. Um, She's watching him at the cash register. What's going on? See, she had the potential to be like the sneaky, suspicious one. They just didn't give her any story. They couldn't make the wheelchair daughter the sneaky, suspicious one. That's like... That's just like that's just too many things. Too many things. Like yeah, you can't have. You can't be more than one. No, she is wheelchair daughter, which we never learn why she's in a wheelchair. We never even she that's just the, is in a yeah, wheelchair, which is something we're saying for the first time. Yeah, because that's how inconsequential she's been to the story. Which, like, I don't necessarily need to know why. Like, I think just sort of like casual disability representation is cool. Like. It's something that we, quite frankly, don't see enough of. But, like, give her some story. Like, she is one of the older kids. She is. But, like, all we know about her is that she's in a punk band. We don't even know, like, what instrument she plays. Maybe she's the singer. Or, yeah, we don't know anything about this punk band. Nope. And she's in a wheelchair. And justice for Harley is all I'm saying. Yeah, and that only comes into play, like, in, like, one kind of, like, casual line where they're talking about, you know, how they're dissed by the people in the gated community. And they're, like, they don't like the way the wheelchair ramp looks. (laughs) Yeah, what the hell? (laughs) Rude. But, yeah, it's, like, she is so inconsequential to the movie that when that line was spoken... I was like, oh, yeah, there's a daughter in a wheelchair. Yeah. Like, that's how little she's in it. It's upsetting. Mm -hmm. Where are we? This is why you need to take your own notes. (laughs) That's probably true. Where are we? We're still at the restaurant. We're still at the restaurant. Harash sees Seth maybe stealing money? Looking? No, he does steal the money. But then Paul basically tells him that he's doing a good job and gives him, like, a paycheck. And then Seth is like, I'm a jerk. And he puts, and the, he money puts the money back. Yeah. yeah. Seth is like bad boy with a heart of gold energy. 
but also like sorely underdeveloped, but somehow it becomes the most important child. It's very confusing. Yeah. <laughs> it's a roller coaster. Paul heads off to San Francisco. Zoe, they're back at the pool. She's alone. She's like, how am I going to do this all by myself? Which like in, in OG Cheaper by the Dozen, Kate is the one who pieces out for her national book tour. Wait, there's a Kate, there's a Kate in the original. I'm forgetting oh, all yeah, the original characters' names. Tom, yeah, wasn't it like Tom and Kate? Tom and Kate, right? I guess so. Yeah, it was Kate Baker. Wow, so there's two Kate Bakers. Yeah, I guess that's true. That's confusing. But yeah, so in, in the original movies, the mom pieces out and then the dad has to fumble through managing the kids. But in this movie, nope, dad gets to go on a sweet business trip while mom gets to just take her kids to the pool and people in this community assume she is the nanny. Yeah. Yes. So that's fun. Also threw some shade on like, Aunt, so Anne, the worst white lady, the Karen, if you will, she has children too, but her, she adopted them and it pans over to like these two like Asian children, which is some subtle shade on like the white saviory, like how white people will adopt yeah. Minority children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she adopted Ming and Kenny, which weirdly enough are my cousin's names. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even kidding about that. That is so true. Yeah. So yeah. So first Zoe is the nanny. Then her children. Then the assumption is that her children were adopted, which is also a weird. That's like a weird turn. People just don't understand. People used to ask my mom if. Like, my brother and I were adopted, too. People just don't yeah. understand biracial children. No, people don't get it. Yeah. I've heard those stories. Just gross. That's also just so, like, what what is wrong with you? Like, your mom has told me that, like, random people would come up at, like, a grocery store and ask, the, ask your mom, like, where you were from. And she would say, me. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the? Yeah, people are whack. Everything is whack. Everything is whack. Okay, so back at school, Deja and her USC scholarship are not looking good. Um, she's always benched because the only kids who get to play are the kids whose parents donated a fat sum to the school. Which, you know what? Paul can do this now. Yeah. Stop buying random things. <laughs> Cars and rings. Just donate to the school so Deja can get into college. Jeez. Also, like, Dom was a three-time football MVP. Dom, shell up some money. <laughs> what are you doing? No one needs beats. I know. You're, that's so true. Everyone else is using their nepotism in Calabasas. Like, Deja's got some nepotism power, too. Yeah, she should have some clout. Her dad is a football player. Yeah. She doesn't get to play. She is upset. Then, back at the house, so the real subplot that the little kids get once they move is that they're scared of how big the house is well that's the older twins plot um so there's older twins who are just always scared and then there's younger twins and i misspoke earlier i think the youngest twin is is that bailey or is it luna i think it's luna actually luna is the youngest twin she well I thought the littlest twins were the scared ones. Like there's Bailey no. and Bronx and Luna and another L name. 
Oh, I thought Luna and the other. I thought Luna and the other kid were the were the youngest twins. No, there's like the double B names and the double L names. Oh, I don't know. It's so unclear. <laughs> no idea. But they are scared. The littlest ones, I think, are scared. I don't know. You're right. It's very confusing because basically they're defiant. The little ones, one of them, I think Bronx is the one who keeps like hitting his head. Luna is the one with the snappy one-liners and the other two just exist. Well, Luna and her brother are going to be pro tennis players. Correct. There's this like cute little moment with the little twins and Seth where he's like, well, have you ever heard of monster spray? I thought that that was sweet. It's like, oh, look at this bad boy with a heart of gold. He has a soft side. To me, it's like they tr- they tried to build Seth up to be this like, oh my God, fear Seth. But like he was not that character. No. But I mean, but like in fairness, these are like children judging other children. No, that's true. And none of and none of the children were very fleshed out. So what can we expect? Um, let's see. So in San Francisco, things are a little rocky business wise. The expansion plan, there are some cracks in it. Um, the building that Mel and Michelle found is gross. And they are anti-local vendors because that will be too expensive. Zoe has like a like a mom's day with the at at a spa with the other with all the white moms who just cannot believe that Zoe has so many children. They are like openly talking about Seth because (laughs) how sussy is. Well, yeah, I mean, Zoe just like in passing mentions kind of like the circumstances that led to Seth being. Uh, or living with them, and immediately all the moms like latch onto this. They're like, "Ooh, a troubled child in our, in our neighborhood. safe neighborhood." Yeah, but they relate on their husbands all leave them for yeah. work. <laughs> Paul comes home and he brings back gifts for everyone, and they're super specific. And once again, the little ones get the short end of the stick, but they are thrilled. Yeah, they get hotel chocolates and soap. Woo! <laughs> wild zoe gets a rock yeah but a rock that she wants it's yeah it's a huge ring huge ring then we get this moment between seth and haresh where seth uses the money from like his paycheck from helping out at the restaurant to buy seth not to buy seth to buy haresh new sneakers new kicks um so that he will stop getting bullied because the sneakers are the problem. Well, I mean, there's that and Seth promises to teach uh, Haresh how to defend himself. Yes. Uh, just beat people up. So two, double gift tonight from yeah. Seth. <laughs> Bad news for Zoe. Paul needs to go back to San Francisco. They need to look at more locations. And she's getting kind of annoyed. And that's just the first, that's just the first thing. Also... Exnay on local vendors, no locally sourced ingredients. And apparently there's like a baker restaurant already in San Francisco. So they're going to need to change their name. And Zoe's feeling like she's being cut out. I mean, she is. <laughs> it's not a feeling. It's she's, not a, she's not a part of any of these no. conversations. She is effectively cut out. Yeah. And Paul leaves. But who's there? Who is always there? Kate. Yeah. We got a montage. Montage. I mean, I feel like we get several montages, yeah. but this is the montage that matters. It's Zoe 
just falling apart. Yeah, doing everything by herself and it going poorly. Paul's not even coming back. He has to stay another week. What is he doing? Again, who is making the sauce? (laughs) I mean, we don't even see who's running the original restaurant. Like, where are their employees? (laughs) They don't have employees, just children. (laughs) Actually, I think they do make an Oompa Loompa joke at one point. Now that no. I think it happens at the beginning. I think it happens in the flashback Oof. where like Paul meets um, Paul meets Zoe. I feel like there's an Oompa Loompa joke. No, I hate that. I blocked that out. Yeah. I have no recollection. It happened of at the that. beginning. Oof. But you can't miss DJ's birthday. Yeah, we need some stakes here. DJ's birthday is coming <laughs> up. So, Paul, don't you miss it. And what do you know? Paul is uh, he's basically going to miss this birthday. You know, immediately. <laughs> That Paul is going to not be on time for this birthday. Again, I ask, what is the plot of this movie? Uh, The plot is just Haresh gets suspended for beating up his bully. (laughs) Yeah, that is the next scene. And yeah, basically it's the same sort of vibe as the first movie, the OG movie. Without the family unit together, everyone is falling apart. The kids are unhappy. Deja's getting um some attitude about hanging out with chris mom takes the car away but deja steals the keys and goes out anyways nice everything's falling apart nailed it in san francisco uh, mel and michelle took paul back to the original location that he did not like uh we need soup again soup sucks time is just getting away from paul because then he's like oh my god it's DJ's birthday. This makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, literally he gets like a, a phone alert and he's like, oh no, it's time for the birthday. <laughs> like he he just, I don't know. Like you would think he would know when his flight is and just the time management here makes no sense. No especially sense. because we have it's- no idea what he does when he's in San Francisco other than visit the same restaurant location over and over, over, and over again. again that he doesn't it's even so like. stupid. <laughs> so stupid um but yeah apparently he set his notification too late because what do you know he's going to miss his flight and get detained by airport security mess (laughs) yeah meanwhile it's dj's birthday so the mom gang is helping zoe set up haresh and seth are so grounded they can't even attend their own brother's birthday party yeah they just have to watch through the window (laughs) yeah um dj's crush shows up and she's a goth girl yeah i don't think we mentioned that before and so dj really needs to talk to paul about like how to talk to talia but paul obviously nowhere to be found what is a phone don't know so dj (laughs) is going to just take paul like the last words that paul said to him and dress up as a goth himself and you know what it like to his credit like talia seemed into it yeah (laughs) yeah she was like oh dj he did a really good smoky eye yeah so he's trying to get everything together for the cake she is frazzled drops all the candles on the floor it is chaos all of these things just keep coming out um dom shows up we learn that deja snuck out and spent the night at Chris's, which Zoe didn't even mm. realize happened. We also skipped over the fact that Anne shows up to the party and there's been some break-ins in the neighborhood and she wants to talk to Seth immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Sticky <Anne>. fingers, Seth. 
We need to have a conversation. Yeah. Paul shows up. He says he had to charter a jet to get there. Yeah, he can't donate to the school to get Deja some playing time, but he can charter a jet. <laughs> Makes no sense. After like 10 minutes after being detained by security. But he made it ish. Yeah. Just so much is happening. Like we get, then we get a like, you don't even know me. <laughs> you don't know me. Yeah. Um, that's from Dom to, or that's from DJ to Dom. Yeah. His father. Because he's like, son, talk to me. Why are you wearing that outfit? <laughs> you don't even know me. You're not a nerd. Yeah. And turns out uh, he doesn't know Deja either because Deja's quit basketball. She hates her new team at her new school and just too many things are happening deja is sneaking out to spend the night with boys dj is a goth guy and this is it dom is like joint custody no more i am going to file for sole custody which is so dramatic that is very dramatic <laughs> like, that is like that escalated so quickly i just don't know how this works can I'm assuming like they already filed for like split custody. Can you just randomly file for full custody? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can petition for full custody. You can change custody terms or you can pursue that at any point, I believe, um, like on the basis of like, you know, parental neglect or oh. negligence, you know, but like Zoe's just had like a rough couple weeks on her own and Dom is like, this is it. You cannot parent my children. I mean, when the court learns that they force their children to work at a restaurant, Dom might win. <laughs> <laughs> Dom might have an argument here. Mm. Everybody hates it here. All of us. Even Zoe. This is not working. And Paul was like, why didn't you say something sooner, my love? <laughs> and, then Zoe, and then Zoe was like... Because I was so proud watching you go big with your sauce. That was my favorite line. <laughs> are, you, are you finding it? Yeah, I'm finding it. <laughs> None of it is right for us. Why are you just telling me this now? Well, babe, because I was proud and, and so excited watching you go big with your sauce. <laughs> <laughs> Which wasn't even, which wasn't even why he was in San Francisco. San Francisco had nothing to do with his sauce. <laughs> is there a conclusion to this scene? It's kind of just like. I mean, it seems like generally this is the point where Paul is like, maybe I need to take a step back with the business. Reassess the situation. And then we cut to a conversation. Between again, they're kind of the 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 two dads are kind of trying to out dad each other, but just with each other. And this is where we get the whole like, this is what it's like to raise black children in America, and you will not understand because you are a white man. And again, it takes way too long for Paul to get it. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I still don't think Paul even gets it after this conversation. He's like, I'm doing the best I can, and Tom is like, not good enough. He's like, I love these kids. And that's basically the, how the conversation ends. Yeah. Yeah, because then they have to cut to Harley and Ella, uh, Paul's kids with Kate, and basically their big moment is just to tell Seth that he sucks and they saw him steal the money from the register. 
and basically chase Seth out of the house. What this movie really lacks is in, in the original movie, this would have been a whole thing, right? Like Alison Stoner would have been like being her sneaky self, like trying to catch him in the act. There was no like setups. There was no pranking. There was no like. Yeah, I mean, it didn't really take much for them to actually catch Seth doing something because he did it right away. <laughs> And then he put it back, like, I don't know, there there just weren't the, I feel like there weren't enough beats, you know, like, it's literally just like, I, I think this thing, beat, he did it, beat, but like, not until half an hour later. Let's, let's confront him about that. Yeah, it's, the pacing is just wild. Seth is like, I'm outie. Oh, jeez. <laughs> They're like, he's the thief, dad. And Paul's like, no, he's not. You dirk. Yeah, so the money is actually from the state to help with, like, taking care of Seth. But because the beggars are just rolling in it, they don't need that money at all. They just give it right to Seth. <laughs> and he didn't do the break-ins. He had an alibi. Yeah, he was here at 9.30 last night, grounded for being a bull, <laughs> for beating up someone. <laughs> And they're like, oh, my God, we're jerks. Let's go find Seth. We love him now. Let's welcome him into our family. Yeah, and finding Seth takes zero effort. They know immediately <laughs> where he's... It's not even, like, where he went. It was, like, a secret. Like, I feel like in the original Cheaper by the Dozen, isn't there a scene where they're all, like, running around the town, like, looking for this kid? And it takes them a minute to, like, actually find out where he went. In this movie, they're like, I know where he is. Let's go. <laughs> Um, yeah, he's the mark. And he's meant, so he went to First and Whittier, which is obviously supposed to be like this rough area of town, but all that's there is just Ron Funches doing one-liners. <laughs> <laughs> is that actually, like, if we put that in, will it tell us where it is? Is that real? Actually, I don't even know if it's a real place. Is it in Cheeto? Is this going to become the, uh, is, is that what this is? Uh, I don't know. I'm just kidding. That was me trying to make an OC joke mm. and it not really working out the way I wanted it to. But yeah, basically they find him and they beg Seth to come home. They're like, Seth, please come home. And he says, okay. <laughs> Back at home, Dom is like, okay, okay. That custody stuff was a little much. He, I think he feels a lot of guilt for missing a lot of his children's childhood, not being boots on the ground is the phrase that they keep using. Mm -hmm. And he just wants to spend more quality time with his kids. Yeah, which will involve going to DJ, uh, going to Comic-Con with DJ and cosplaying as Thor. I love that. <laughs> yes. Okay, so here's my issue. Okay, so now we get the scene where Paul returns to the agency. He's like, I'm done. We're not gonna do lunch I love breakfast and he wants everything back. But like they just dumped a whole lot of money into him. So this just all resolves way too, way too smoothly. Yeah, he pretends like the sauce has made enough money for him to buy back what he bought originally. But that's not going to work if you sold them the entire, if you sold them everything. <laughs> they owe, they, that, that means they got all the profits. Like, and if the sauce is doing that well and you wanted to buy it back, 
why would they sell it back to you if it's doing that well? Nonsense. That makes no sense. Nonsense. And that's all we need to say on that matter. But what I was going to say when I said also is like, I just still, there's not a clear like emotional arc here. Like it's not like, it's just so weak. I mean, yeah, there's not really a plot. Thank you. That's all I've been trying to say this entire, this entire podcast. Yeah. What is the plot? It doesn't exist. But they're moving back to Echo Park. Goodbye, Calabasas. Chris and Deja will be long distance. Sure. If you say so. Deja does end up getting her scholarship. Kate ends up getting married to a guy with a bird. Uh, that was such a random. <laughs> we didn't even talk about that. Nope. About how we're not, was- nope it's all. Nope. <laughs> We skipped over it because it's not important. Uh, Dom gets a girlfriend as well. Uh, They get a new house. And then Paul makes new labels for the sauce. And everyone's face is on it, including Seth. He's part of the family. That's so cool. (laughs) (laughs) It's a direct quote. (laughs) That's so cool. End of film. And look it. See, this is what we should have had the whole time. So then we get these like... um, where are they now type cards for the end credits. And Dom, rich, three-time MVP NFL player, Dom just ends up investing in the sauce. If the sauce is already doing well on its own, why do they need Dom to invest in the sauce? It makes no sense. (laughs) You already got the investment. Like if we're going by the line of logic that like the sauce is that successful now, you don't need another investor. I just, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was like, he like now Dom, they're saying like Dom out. makes it. Just go- stop stop stealing the sauce, Tom. <laughs> you don't get this sauce. And that's it. I mean, we get the like endings for the children. Like you said, Deja got into USC. DJ goes to Comic Con. Uh, one of the t- sets of twins becomes like the Venus and Serena of like children's tennis. Happily ever afters for all. Ella, I think Ella and ends up like being doing PR for Harley's band. So they get what they, like everybody got what they want. The end. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Whoa. This movie had no plot. It had no stakes. It had sorely under underdeveloped characters. Yeah. Talking through it. It's I've, I'm convinced that this movie was actually a little bit worse than the cheaper by the, Do- the original cheaper by the dozen reboot. Yeah. I think that there was like, a heart to the original one and like a chemistry in the casting that this one felt like it was missing. And I don't think it's like, yeah, has anything to do with like the actors all did well enough with what they were given. But I just think like the script was much weaker. Yeah. I think that, I just think that the somehow, and obviously it's been a minute since we watched it, but I somehow think that the original movie did a better job of like giving all the characters something that like, uh, something to do or like a character trait that kind of like kept it going through that was like more engaging than what we got out of this movie um and there were more of them uh which we said yeah i mean there were definitely like the kids the the kids in the middle who got a little lost in the original ones too but at least there was a lot of like plot involving them like yeah they were involved in like alice and stoner's like hijinks and there were some like, cringy, misogynistic lines for sure, but like I feel like Steve Martin is a more engaging dad, yeah, than Zach Braff. Also, speaking of, there was an old like there were kids that weren't even in high school anymore because we got Piper Parabo oh, and yeah. Ashton Kutcher in the first oh, movie. Yeah. 
So I stand by what I said, that these kids overall are younger. Yeah. And there were not 12 of them. No, there were nine and a plus one. (laughs) That may or may not have been the adult or the cousin. (laughs) Truly. Do you have an MVP? Uh, The MVP of this movie is... uh, I feel like I know where you're going with this. No, I don't. (laughs) I don't... I... It's so hard to say. I guess I just have to pick somebody, right? And there's no wrong answers. I guess I'll go with uh with DJ. Cuz if we go by the logic of like the main story here and main story is is said very liberally or very loosely, if the main story here is about Dom and Paul learning how to co-parent, DJ is like the the glue that kind of the brings glue. them together. <laughs> okay. So you gave DJ the MVP on the basis of essentially being a plot device? Correct. (laughs) Where do you think I'm going? I guess I'll say it's definitely Zoe. It's definitely Gabrielle Union. Oh, I thought you were going to say like the little girl. (laughs) Oh, I mean, like she was adorable and had some um, fantastic one-liners. The only time I chuckled. But like Gabrielle Union... I think she carried this movie on her back. She's the one who had to deal with all of Paul's bullshit. I just think she did a great job. Cool. It's honestly less about her character and just more about my adoration. But this was a really mediocre movie. Don't get me wrong. It didn't need to be made. Yeah. Um, uh, Yeah. I mean, as we talk about all these reboots, yeah. I mean, I feel like... (laughs) What is the goal here? To find a reboot that we're like, oh my God, this reboot has surpassed the original. This is a better reboot than we could have ever imagined. Yeah, and you know, I'm trying to think if anything has done that. The first one that pops into my head that has been just so much joy and delight is the Save by the Bell reboot. I was mm-hmm. like, damn, like I didn't think that needed to happen, but that show is great. But not this. But not this. all right well we tried it we did it was bad like soup (laughs) (laughs) and i will be i will end this podcast the way i started it it was not fundamentally cheaper by the dozen what are we gonna do next week i don't know me either i guess we'll figure it out yep so that is a wrap i guess you don't have anything else to say no. <laughs> so that is our take on Cheaper by the Dozen, the 2022 reboot. Now streaming on Disney Plus, if you feel so inclined to watch it. As always, you can follow us at Alpha Repeat Pod on Twitter and email us at Alpha Repeaters Podcast at gmail.com. Any thoughts, ideas? I mean, we're kind of on a reboot kick right now. So maybe we'll keep that going one way or another for better or for worse. Maybe. Um, Yeah. If you uh, are just tuning into us for the first time, you can listen to any of our earlier episodes either at our website, www.paginatedmedia.com slash outfit repeaters or on any platform where podcasts are available. And we will see you when we see you to talk about whatever we talk about. (laughs) 